0: Stop. Stop. Hey, Center Point Church, you guys doing good tonight? Awesome. I'm excited to uh, bring the Word of God. Are you guys excited for the Word of God tonight? I'm so excited to get into it. Um, we are in this series called Jump. Everyone say, Jump. jump. We are in this series called Jump. And uh, last week, Pastor John brought this amazing message about jumping um, in, back into our first love about repairing the altar and what I was thinking about this this next week is about jumping into serving but we can't jump into serving without our first love you see you can't jump into serving the body of Christ you can't jump into doing any good work unless it's first grounded in love because if you just try and do the works thing you're actually missing the relationship and you end up in religion But if you start with your first love, rebuild the altar upon which we worship God, next thing you know, your heart is bubbling over and your belly out of the living water that Jesus gives you. You want to serve. You want to give. You want to offer your gift to the church because he has first loved us. Amen? So I'm excited to talk about serving. I'm really excited to talk about serving. It's one of those messages that maybe you just want to be like, "Uh, this one's not for me. Uh, I like to come to church and I like to listen and then I like to go home. But that's not what Scripture talks about, about church at all. In any way, it doesn't talk about coming and receiving a message. It comes about people coming together that are in love with Jesus and offering their gifts to edify one another so that we can grow, so that we can build up, be built up, so that we can look more like Jesus and transform the entire culture around us. It's way more than attending a church service, amen? But here's what I want to do, and this is something that I felt like The Lord kind of put on my heart before I talked about serving, before I stepped in. Because like I said, a lot of times before we get into a message about jumping into serving, we can have this idea, check out, that's not for me. Or we can get this idea that I am immediately condemned. I'm not serving in the church. I do, I am just an attender in the church. That's all I do. I come to church and, and I just kind of show up. I listen to the message and I go home. And we can get this kind of tension of like maybe some condemnation from the enemy in our own hearts, which isn't from God. And so I, I want us as a church community, before we even jump into Jesus' heart for serving, to make a declaration tonight that we're going to open our hearts to be convicted by the Lord, but not be condemned by Satan. That we would be open up, because the difference between condemnation and conviction is that condemnation brings death, but conviction causes worship. You see, in condemnation, it, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such a tool from the enemy because it's so self-focused. It's so, what am I not doing? And and the prayer of the condemned, it doesn't even acknowledge God because it has nothing to do with God. But the prayer of conviction, the prayer of children, even when we hear a message that wants to inspire our hearts, goes, Daddy, thank you for revealing this in my heart. Because what conviction does is it reveals who you are, and what condemnation does is reveal where you're not. And I don't want to be this, I don't want this to be a message in any way to reveal what you're not doing, who you aren't, because that's not Jesus' heart. We are gonna be a community that steps into serving, knowing full well that we are children, that we are sons, that we are daughters, and we can step in with joy to serving our church body and doing all of the works of the kingdom. Are you with me tonight? Come on, church, are you with me tonight? All right, so before we get in, we're just gonna pray, okay? And maybe just put your hands out like this. We're just going to ask the Lord to come. Jesus, I thank you that you open up our hearts to hear from your spirit, Jesus. I thank you that you inspire us, Jesus. I thank you that, yeah, that you have just rendered the heavens, Jesus, that you've opened up the heavens. You tore them open so that we could receive from you. Thank you, Jesus, that the veil being split in half didn't just get us into your presence. It's got you out into this world, Jesus, and we're so thankful tonight that we get to jump into serving, to be your children, to be full of your glory, and to change the culture around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, Amen. so I've been at this church for a really long time, okay? Uh, Pastor John, Pastor Ann can attest, I've been here for about 10 years, okay? My family was here. Actually, this was the first place that I came to Um, When I needed Jesus, when I was desperate for Jesus, and I was in the world, and I was partying and doing all the things, this is the first place I came to. And you know that feeling when you get into church and you are so desperate for God, it doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking. You just want to raise up your hands, and you just want to celebrate who God is, right? And I started diving in, and I ended up getting saved and um, just started this journey with God. And then I went to college, was away for about four years, and then came back to Center Point Church to start serving in this community. And one of the first places that I started serving in was our young adults ministry. And when I when I got here, the young adults ministry, it was about eight people in a circle. And I was leading with Massimo, who's always up here. We were leading worship for Monday night worship, and then young adults would happen afterwards. And we realized, like, what are we doing? Why are we leading worship separate than young adults? Like, something has to be done about this. Why don't we just mix the two together, right? And so what I started to do is I actually was, like, talk to the young adults who was the person who was leading young adults at that time. And I said, hey listen, why don't we combine you know, forces, I can lead worship, you guys can do young adults. But what happened is, certain things changed and then I just started leading the whole thing. And sometimes God opens up a door like that where you didn't intend for it to be that way, He just gives you a responsibility and then He says, make of it what you will, right? And so I took that opportunity because God laid it in my lap, so I was the tech guy, I was the worship leader, I was the preacher and I closed up shop, I was doing it all and it was getting pretty exhausting, okay? Call it, you know, what I mean the, you know, not asking for help syndrome. Okay, I just wanted to do everything myself, and I remember very clearly. I remember very clearly when when I was setting up because I was I was doing all of the setup for this thing. I was setting up chairs in the room, and I was getting kind of frustrated. Why don't I have any help, God? What's going on? There's no one here. I'm just setting up chairs an hour before this young adult service. There's only like 15 people coming. What's the point? And I'm just setting up chairs. And while i'm having this frustrated complaining attitude right the lord just started to speak to my heart and he said aaron you're not just setting up chairs you're creating an atmosphere for people to come in and enjoy my presence you're not just doing mundane work aaron this isn't a burden to do what you're doing in each seat You can be intentional with the person that is going to fill that seat so they can encounter my love, so they can be transformed by my glory, so they can change the culture around us. It is way bigger than you think you're doing, right? This is a way bigger call than what you think you're doing, just setting up chairs. And I realized in that moment, God's heart for the simple, seemingly mundane things that we can do to serve our body. You're not just setting up chairs, you're not just greeting people, you're not just on hospitality, you're not just working parking. You are setting up an atmosphere for people to come in, encounter the love of God, experience and be transformed by His glory. Go out and shift culture around That's all because you're setting up chairs in a young adult's group with 15 people. And God gave me this fervor about what it actually meant to serve His body, that it starts with knowing His heart. Because if we lose His heart, church, we will never serve in the way that He's intended us to serve. We start with His heart, and His heart, what happens is His heart moves to our hands. So that we can serve His house. And my main point for you guys today is this. Let God's heart move your hands to serve His house. Let God's heart move your hands, inspire your hands, inspire your gift, your offering to the church. Let God's heart, his love, inspire your hands so that you can change his house. Are you with me? And so we're gonna be reading in John chapter 13, if you guys will turn it, turn there with me. Uh, Who has a Bible here today? Anybody got a Bible, raise it up in the air. You got a paperback, hardback Bible. As uh, Pastor James has paperback, bring it back. A vintage Bible, you can take that out. Or if you've got your phone, you can turn to John 13. And we're going to be reading, we're going to be reading a passage. And this passage is set right before Jesus is going to the cross. It's right before the Passover celebration. And Jesus is with his disciples and... Um, They're eating together as they would often do. Jesus never stayed away from community. He was a part of community. He had his 12, and he would teach them, and he would sit with them. And he's talking to his disciples, and then in this moment, he does this amazing thing where he begins to serve his disciples. Think about that for a second. The king of kings serving us. Just let that sit in your mind real quick. The king of kings, the uncreated one, before all of time began, started to serve his disciples. And not just serve his disciples and like giving them encouraging words, but he goes down to the dirtiest part of them and he begins to wash their feet. And so we're going to read just a little bit, a couple verses that I believe God wants to stir up the heart of serving, wants to stir up in us a passion what he actually intends for us to serve in his church body. Are you with me, church? Are you with me online? Write in the comments. I'm sorry I didn't acknowledge you. I love you. Okay. So we're going to read, starting in John chapter 13, verse 1. Shout at me if you're there. All right. Four of us. Beautiful. Here we go. It'll be up on the Sky Bible for you. It says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return from God. So, everyone say so. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin then he began to wash the disciples feet drying them with the towel that he had around them i just want to bring us back to verse one and i just want to pick apart this scripture a little bit because there's a lot of good nuggets for god's heart for serving in this so if you guys are tracking with me please don't get distracted don't go into la la land let's stay focused right here because this is so important for the heart of serving it says this before the passover celebration jesus knew that his hour had come and to leave this world and return his father, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them until the very end. Serve out of a place of love. Jesus started his ministry in love. It says that he loved his disciples during his ministry and that he had loved them up until the very end. And then he sent the Holy Spirit and he still loves us today. His love never stops. Jesus always served out of a posture of love. And this is so important. Like I said when I started, if we don't start with love, we will turn to religion. If we don't start with the love of people, we will turn to people being an obligation rather than a gift in front of us and serving in the church as some obligation and some check-off list and religious duty, rather than I'm bubbling over with the love of God to love His people, and I want to get down on my knees to serve them and to love them so that they can be recreated in Him and know who they are. I want to give my gift. Why? Because it all starts with love. Well, you say, how do I get that love? You can't get it from anyone but Him. The Bible says in 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. So the only way we can love is because he first loved us. The only way that we can have faith is because he first was faithful. The only reason we can serve is because he first served us. And in this example, out of love, Jesus gets down on his knees and serves his disciples to show us the way of serving. Serving us means that we can be filled with the same example to serve others. And if Jesus, the Son of God, the uncreated one, the one who is and was and is to come, would get down on his knees out of a posture of love, he wasn't just, oh my God, I can't believe I have to wash these feet. Are you serious? Oh my God, Peter, your feet are so dirty. It's disgusting. It's gr- Oh God. He didn't have a mind of selfishness inside of him. It was a posture of love. It wasn't because he had to. It was because it was who he is. He served out of a place of who he is. God is love. Jesus is the exact image of God. And because of that, Jesus is love. And everything he does is out of love. And we are his children called to do everything from the same motive that he did it. And now we get to serve out of love. Yay! Yay! Are you guys with me? (laughs) This, This is happy news. Come on. We can't give what we haven't received. And if we want to be like Jesus and we want to step into this church body and serve, we have to receive the love of God in order to be able to give the love of God. So Jesus serves out of love. And I love, still in verse 1, there's so many good things that are coming. It says this, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. Seems like a normal verse, but the Passover celebration for the Israelites was a celebration of the Spirit of God passing over the doors of the Israelites in Egypt. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When they put the lamb's blood on their doors so that the spirit of death would pass over them and then that he would bring them into deliverance. And so it was a celebration of what God had done for them. But I'm thinking to myself, it is a celebration. Passover is a celebration unless you're the lamb. I bet the lambs in Egypt weren't really happy about the Passover. And so think about this. Jesus before the Passover celebration, is with the disciples, and it says, it says, he knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. Sounds like a good spiritual verse until you realize that the way to the Father is through a cross. It's through a crucifixion. It's through suffering. So Jesus, with that on his mind, doesn't allow pain to keep him from getting on his knees to serve another individual. You know what I'm thinking when I go through pain? Me, me, me. Anybody else? Fear, fear, fear. Hide, hide, hide. Do you know what Jesus is thinking when he's about to face incredible pain? You, you, you. Love, love. Love, serve, serve, serve. His mind is way different than ours. He knows what he's going to have to go to the day after, maybe a couple days after going through extreme extreme scourging and beating and getting up on a cross. And yet our selfless Jesus decides to serve the people in front of him. which shows me that pain is not a disqualifier for us to be able to love. Your struggle is not a disqualifier for you to step into serving. What you're going through in this moment, what you're anxious about in a couple days is not a disqualifier from you stepping up, looking at somebody else and saying, you are worthy of love. Yeah. Because what I've realized, and this is, this is light, what I've realized is every time I get my mind just focused on me, 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 life gets a lot harder. I love what my buddy Daryl says. He says, every time I just start feeling anxious, I just start thinking about how I can love people. Because it gets my mind off of me and everything going on with me. And I just start thinking about other people. And when I start thinking about other people, my problems become really small because I just want to pour out love on people. And sometimes the way out of that very pain is actually to look, keep, get your eyes off of me, 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 fear, 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 hide, hide, hide. And have Jesus' model of even in the midst of pain. Serving in the midst of pain to say, you, 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 love, 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 serve, serve, serve. And in getting our eyes off of ourselves, we actually experience the breakthrough we were looking for, focus on ourselves anyway. And so we allow our brokenness, our suffering, our pain, what's inside of our heads to get in the way of actually us actually serving the body because we're waiting for us to be perfect or something. For us to have it all together, once I feel like I actually have a calling and have a gift to bring, and once I feel like my mind's okay and everything, if you're anxious right now, that's okay, come serve. Get your mind off of your anxiety and come serve. You're feeling depression, get into community, let the team love you, and come serve. Get your eyes off of you and onto somebody else, and that will bring the breakthrough that you're needing. Maybe the very thing that you feel like is disqualifying you is the very thing that is qualifying you to cleanse and to free somebody else when serving. Are you with me? All my people in the back, are you with me? Because look at the cross—the very picture of human suffering was the very thing that brought our salvation. If that is true in the gospel, then perhaps the very thing that you think is just getting in the way of you serving this body is the very thing that can bring freedom, breakthrough, deliverance, freedom from bondage to somebody else. And maybe even though you're anxious, God will bring you somebody who's anxious, too, and you can start praying and build a community where you start living in peace and you start getting truth into you, all because you decide to serve rather than sit in your own pain. You put your eyes on somebody else. So he serves in the midst of pain. And now we're going to get to a harsh one. You guys still with me? This one might, he might turn you away. All right. Just kidding. It says this in verse 2. It was time for supper... And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. It's kind of weird that in the midst of this story, it starts to mention Judas. Like it's the focus on Jesus, and it's what Jesus is doing to to get onto his knees and to serve somebody else. But just in the middle of the passage, it just throws, and by the way, Judas, son of Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, is there. Perhaps this means that we don't get to choose who we serve. (laughs) Just imagine Jesus serving Judas. (laughs) Love you, Judas. Knowing full well that Judas was going to betray him, that Judas was going to sell him out, that Judas was going to leave him, and Jesus doesn't allow the betrayal of somebody else to stop him from loving. And I could imagine Jesus looking at Judas right in the eyes, and out of compassion and love in his heart, he's still washing the feet of the one who betrayed him. Isn't Jesus amazing? Perhaps Jesus is saying, the scripture is saying in this moment, that we don't get to choose who we love. That we don't get to choose who's worthy of love and service and who's not worthy of love and service. Because it wasn't just Judas that was there, Peter was there, and Peter denied him three times. In fact, all of the disciples except for John left Jesus at the cross. So Jesus, in literally one of the most pristine moments of serving, an example of serving, he is serving 11 people that all leave him in the end. They come back, but he knows that they're going to betray him and not even be there when he's dying. And he still chooses to serve them. He still chooses to love them. And something that the Lord started speaking to me, even even from this, is is he kind of gave me this phrase. It's that love inspires a response, but it doesn't require one. And what I mean by that is that Jesus knew full well what Judas was going to do, and he continued to serve him anyway. Sometimes we only serve people so that they can change, so that we can be okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we only... (laughs) Sometimes we only pray for people so that they'll change, so that we can be okay. Because if they change, my life will be easier. And if they finally get it, then they won't be doing all of this stuff that is making my life really hard. So what we do is we try and serve out of a motive of changing other individuals to get them to be what we want them to be so that we can be okay. And it's a selfish serving of other people. But Jesus is washing the feet of Judas, knowing that he's going to betray him, looking in his eyes and saying, you are not going to change because of me serving you right now. You are not going to change your mind. It's already been predestined that you are going to give me up. And so he's looking at Judas, knowing full well, this isn't going to change you. But he decides to serve him anyway. What a selfless Jesus to serve somebody that is going to betray him. You guys still with me? Maybe that also means that we can serve a church that we might have been hurt by. Maybe that means we can serve in a ministry that has caused some division or some strife. And maybe the Bible's actually true when it says, make every effort to maintain the unity of the body in peace. Just a little nugget. <laughs> <laughs> then it says this in verse 3. I love this. scripture. Is just boom, boom, boom. In verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father... Had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and that he would return to God. In other words, Jesus served out of a place of knowing who he was, Jesus served out of a place of identity, not insecurity. Jesus knew that he had every authority over everything, the cosmos, that he could speak, and the winds and the rain would stop. He knew where he came from, from the throne of God, from heaven, knew where he was going back to sit at the right hand of God. And his authority, he did not use to lord over his disciples and say, worship me. He used his authority to get down on his knees and serve. I love this verse in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28. It says this. It says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Everyone say, "It It will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, even God, even Jesus in the flesh, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You see genuine authority genuine identity it is not flaunting it is not arrogant it is not prideful you are not trying to get somebody else to look at you and see you genuine authority knowing who you are actually pours out rather than tries to take from people genuine authority doesn't lord over other people it gets under people It gets down on its knees and it serves because Jesus didn't have to prove anything. He didn't need people to see him and worship him. In fact, he said no to a lot of that stuff. When he would do a miracle, which always boggles my mind, he says to people, don't tell anyone about this miracle. Aren't you trying to make a big ministry, Jesus? Obviously, that wasn't his heart to make a huge ministry. His heart was actually out of love. It didn't have a false shadow motive behind it. He served from place, such a place of authority, he already knew who he was, so he didn't need other people to tell him who he was. And because of that reason, he can serve with, all, with full selflessness to other people because he wasn't needing them to respond to him in order for him to love them. You tracking with me? So genuine authority, it gets down low. I love that Jesus is creating, he's having this revelation in our students, one of our lit team Students, all my, my people right here, this is beautiful. I'm the youth pastor, by the way. I'm, I'm Aaron. I don't know if I said that. Anyway, <laughs> halfway through the sermon. Hi. Okay. One of our students, his name is Michael, Michael Velasquez, and he had this vision. Yeah, Michael. He plays keys up here, too. He's amazing. He had this vision of God showing him the upside-down kingdom. And God showed him this vision of, of a kingdom like this, and it was flipped like this, and it was put in the ground. And Jesus spoke to him and and he said, the more that you dig and the more that you go low, the higher you get in the kingdom. The more that you dig out, the more that you go low, the more that you give yourself to serve, not trying to flaunt yourself, not trying to get people to see you, not trying to lord over people, coming under people, the deeper you go, the buildings are placed like this and you go higher into the penthouses of heaven lower that you go. So genuine authority, it doesn't seek to be seen, it seeks to serve. It doesn't seek to lord over, it comes under. Genuine authority doesn't have to prove itself. And if genuine authority is about serving another individual, And we're made in Jesus' image, and this is what he does. He demonstrates genuine authority. We are all made in his image and are called to do likewise. And if we are called to do likewise, I've been thinking about this, is that church is not just about getting fed. It's about bringing food. Church is not just about getting fed and receiving from a good message. And I know I'm preaching good. Was that prideful? I should go lower. (laughs) Okay. Because I truly believe if every single one of us came not to church to get fed, but to bring food to somebody else, we would all leave satisfied. And a lot of the time, the reason that people leave dissatisfied is because we have the wrong heart posture and the wrong motive when we come into church. And so we actually end up leaving empty because we're trying to get filled. Rather than pouring out and knowing that the gift that we pour out, God gives us a full measure back. And I truly believe that the dynamic of our church, and I'm talking about the church at large, but also our church, if each one of us shows up to a church service on, on today, <laughs> it's being live streamed, okay? If it shows uh, shows up today, not just trying to receive, I'm not saying you're not going to get something out of it, but not with the goal to be fed, but to feed others. God, who can I give a word to? God, what team can I serve on? How can I greet somebody? How can I get on the parking team, God? How can I get on the safety? How can I give whatever gift I have to the church? If we all did that, no one would go hungry. The reason we leave empty is because we're trying to be filled. But if our desire is to pour out, we'll be naturally filled by the Spirit of God. Because the kingdom's upside down, and it's really good. The more you give, the more you receive. And this is the last thing, well not the last thing, but we'll get there. Verse 4, it says this, so he got up from the table. After knowing, it says that he knew who he was, so he, so. That means because he knew who he was, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. And just in the physical, this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus is doing for his disciples. But if you take a deeper glance at it, this is what Jesus has done for all of us. You see, because Jesus took off his robe, symbolizing his authority, and he put on a towel, symbolizing our dirty rags of righteousness, and he got down on his knees, symbolizing him coming to his people, and he poured water into a basin, symbolizing his life poured out. And he washed the disciples' feet, the dirtiest part of them, symbolizing the washing Of us brand spanking new and this made me realize that serving is way bigger than we think it is it's not just setting up chairs it's not just coming to a service to receive every time that we serve another individual we are partnering with the call and commission of Jesus We are partnering with the cross of Jesus that it actually, in a bigger, broad scale picture, it's a prophetic declaration every time we get on our knees to serve somebody else. We are partnering prophetically with what Jesus came to do in the first place, Isaiah 61, that I have come to speak good news to the poor. I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to free the captives out of prison. And when we start serving, we start partnering with the cross and the call of Jesus. It's way more than setting up chairs saying hello to somebody. Yeah. It's partnering with the cosmic cross. This is beautiful. The work of Jesus for us to cleanse us, to take off his authority, to empty himself to the point of becoming a man, to come to us, to get on his knees, to pour out his life for us, to cleanse the dirtiest part of us. What if God is inviting us into a mission? To cleanse people, to heal the broken party, broken people, to, to, to speak good news to the poor. What if God, it's not just serving and showing up on a Sunday or a Saturday. We are partnering with the mission of Jesus. The call and the cross, this is way bigger than just showing up on a Saturday or Sunday. Doesn't that inspire your heart? If Jesus did this for me, I I said before, you can only give what you've received. And so realizing this is what Jesus has done for me, that he's poured out his life and he's gotten down on his knees and he's come all the way to him before I even knew his name. And he poured out his life for me and cleansed me, the dirtiest parts of me. I want to do the same thing for other people. If Jesus broke me out of prison, I want to break other people out of prison. If Jesus healed me, I want to heal other people. If Jesus spoke good news to the poor, I want to speak good news to the poor. I want to lift up the broken. Come on. Is anybody excited to partner in the serving of Jesus? So he serves out of love. He serves in the middle of pain. He serves everybody. He serves through identity. And he prophetically declares what he's going to do through us, through how he serves. This is the heart of serving. And so what do we do now? Because if the heart doesn't reach the hands, it's not much good. These can be a lot of conceptual ideas that are like, yeah! It's like, well, come serve. It's like, nah. (laughs) Yeah, the gospel's awesome. Come on. I love theology. And then it's like, yeah, come join a team. You're like, not for me. (laughs) If the heart doesn't actually reach the hands to let God's heart move your hands. That means doing something with your hands. That means picking up a chair to put it somewhere. That means picking up a little bulletin or something to give to somebody. We don't have bulletins anymore. That means using your hands to serve somebody else, to wash their feet. If the heart doesn't reach the hands, it's not much good. We just end up having good theology and a whole lot of fun memorizing scriptures and having conceptual ideas. The gospel is not about ideas. It's about reality. And so the heart needs to reach the hands. So what do we do now? We make a decision in our own hearts, and this is for everybody in this place, we make a decision in our own hearts to step up and to serve. To serve the body, to serve the people, to not just come to receive but come to give to the larger church and also this church body here, to simply join a team that we have here at Centerpoint, join the parking team, join the greeter team, join the usher team to get on something, get a little bit of development and discipleship, join the prayer team, join the prophetic team, whatever you're passionate about in your heart, whatever you feel like you could do, join something and start serving. Because I realized something very important when I used to work at Starbucks. Okay? And Starbucks might be the worst place that I ever worked. Okay? It's terrible. I'm sorry if you work at Starbucks. What? Yeah, anyway. (laughs) But I worked at Starbucks, and uh, it it just, you know, when you're in something that is not your passion, right? I mean, I like to drink coffee, don't really like to make it, to be honest. And if you do, that's awesome, you know? and I was working at Starbucks, and I was getting really frustrated. And, and every day that I would come in, w- there was just this, this pretty uh, toxic work environment at the Starbucks that I was at. Where everybody was just complaining all the time. You know, they would come in, I'm so tired. Oh my gosh, this person did this. Oh my gosh, can they just wait another minute, please? Right, anyone in food service knows that. People were just like, ah, right? And everyone was complaining about working At Starbucks, and then I started to kind of do it. I'm like, you know what? This place does kind of (laughs) suck. You're right. These people are annoying. You're right. These people in the drive-thru can wait another minute. I would intentionally hold it back. It was ready, but I would make them wait. (laughs) I wouldn't do that. So so I was working at Starbucks. And God started to speak to me about working at Starbucks. Because God is not just for the church. He's for your everyday work life. And he started to speak to me at Starbucks. And he said, Aaron, don't complain about something you can change. And I was like, dang, God, you going to hit me like that? Because we're all complaining about a place that we don't have to work at. Really? And I swear... The spirit of quit came on me. And I said, why am I working at this place I don't like working at? And I decided. It was scary, but I decided. I said, God, I'm going to quit, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to start DJing. I'm going to start serving more at the church. I, the spirit of quit, I quit. And I quit, and it was the best decision I ever made because I finally got to do what I wanted to do, what God had called me to do. And in the same way, I was kind of thinking about that story and God was shaping it around our church body. We can't complain about a church that we can influence. And oftentimes it's, it's them and they're not doing this. And especially in the COVID season, a lot of people get crazy. They should be doing this and why aren't they doing this and complaining about this service and this worship song and, and this sermon and this didn't really touch me and this person didn't do this and this person didn't reach out to me. Don't complain about a church you can influence. Don't complain about a church that you can step into and serve, step into and offer something, offer your gift. It's really easy to blame. It's a lot harder to come to the altar and give something to the body of Christ. It is really easy to say, them, why aren't they doing that? That service sucked. That sermon didn't hit me. That worship, uh, I don't really like that song or that singer. It's really easy to do that. Complaining takes no effort at all. I can complain right now. It's hot up here. It's easy. (laughs) Listen, it's easy. Complaining is easy. It is a lot harder to actually live into the call of Christ that God has for you, to step down and to get on your knees and serve the body of Christ. It's easy to blame. It's harder to bring your gift to the altar. I watched this video recently. It was a really cool video. Um, It was like Nat Geo or something. And uh, and it was about these wolves in the Yellowstone National Park, okay? So if you can geek out with me for just a little bit, okay? It was about these wolves in the, in the National, Geo- uh, National Geographic Park? No, in Yellowstone Park. And in 1995, the wolves came back into the land in Yellowstone Park. And they had been gone for 70 years. There was no wolves in Yellowstone National Park. And in 1995, they came back. They were really small in number, but they came back to the park. And when we think of wolves, we think of like, you know, it's one of the top predators, it kills other things, but it actually brings life to so many other things inside the park. So what happened with the wolves is that the wolves came into Yellowstone National Park, and they started killing off some of the deer. But that's not the biggest thing, actually, in killing off the deer. The deer started to migrate to different areas of the park. And because the deer migrated to different areas of the park, trees in the areas and the valleys that the deer were in started quintupling, quintupling. So the trees started to get high. And because the trees started to get high, the birds came back. And the beavers came back because they liked the trees. And because the beavers came back, beavers create habitats, new fish came back, other animals started to come back, bears started to come back and eat off of something, little birds started coming back, eagles started coming back. To the point where it just changed, you know, the animal structure, but it actually started changing the entire ecosystem of Yellowstone National Park. To the point that because the deer were moved into other areas, The actual soil erosion was different, and the wolves being in Yellowstone National Park actually changed the river. That because of the erosion of certain things, because deer weren't there, the river actually became more fixed in its course. That it actually was set in its course because the wolves came back into Yellowstone National Park who would have tied wolves coming back into a park with changing an entire flow of a river? Perhaps God is saying that we are wolves. And perhaps God is saying, when you bring your gift to your body, to this church body, when you bring your gift, you have no idea the implications of you offering your gift to the altar, to the body, that it actually can change the river. Are you guys tracking with me now? It's good, right? That you could actually change the flow of the river of Centerpoint Church. You could actually change the direction and fix our mission more in place, that you actually have power to influence the mission of your church body because you're a wolf. That's crazy. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I know that so many people that are here tonight, you are a wolf. Where are my wolves at? (laughs) You guys are the best. (laughs) That was the best thing ever. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know, I I think about a wolf in my own life. A wolf in my own life, his name was Frankie O'Rourke. And um, I just looked him up on Facebook. I haven't seen the guy for probably nine years. But... I, when I was first coming to Jesus, I went to a church uh, called Cross Point in Temecula, and I was going to the youth group there. And uh, my ex-girlfriend invited me, and to be honest, I only went to church because she invited me. And uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> and and she invited me to church, and I remember standing in the back, and this youth leader. Frankie O'Rourke, he came up to me and he said, hey, man, how are you? How are you doing? I said, I'm doing fine, you know, didn't really want to talk. And he said, you look burdened. I'm like, that's kind of forward, okay? He said, you look burdened. And for some reason, those words that he spoke to my heart, they just opened up. Just a gush of what I've been going through family falling apart, my own depression, suicidal thoughts, all this stuff. And I cried in this guy's arms I haven't seen for nine years, for 45 minutes, and he told me who I was, and he told me the gospel, and he told me how much Jesus loved me. And Frankie O'Rourke, a youth leader at a church youth group that had no more than 40 students, maybe, he decided to be a wolf. And he decided to say yes to the call of God to actually serve in a youth ministry and be a small group leader. And he decided to pour into my life and call me out and speak to me and love on me. And he maybe has no idea what that's done for my life. Ten years ago. He maybe has no idea the impact that he's had on my heart no idea what his words that night did to me no idea how it changed the calling the purpose the passion that i had for jesus no idea that he was a wolf and i can think of so many wolves <laughs> wolves in this place we have a leader named cindy Goodlit. she's in her 10th year of being a small group leader at youth 10th year or 11th year i think maybe 12 I, I don't know, she's in her second session. She went from 6th grade to 12th grade, graduated those people, and she is in ninth grade again. I think of wolves like Jesse, who I was setting up chairs with earlier before the service started, just faithfully coming every single Saturday and Sunday to, to help and to be on a camera right there. I think about Eric Van Vleed and, and, and Mitch Escobar and Aaron Cap, who come faithfully every Sunday, To serve on the parking team. And they're out there praying for people in the parking area. Why? Because they've realized that they're wolves. They've realized that what they do actually affects things. It actually affects the body. That they actually have purpose and meaning and a calling. That what they do matters. And because they've realized that and realized what God has done for them. Our church is all the better because they are in our church body. So the question is. How can you be a wolf? How can you step and be a part of this church body and step into serving and bring your gifts so that I don't want anybody here to leave feeling empty because some of us have come to receive only. I want all of us to come offer our gift and leave feeling filled up. Are you with me, Center Point? I just want to read One more thing as we go, and it's in that same passage, in verses 6 through 8, Jesus is washing Peter's feet. He says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Jesus in this moment this prophetic act of serving his disciples is he's serving them in the moment, but he's also serving them prophetically. And he's saying you don't get what I'm doing right now, but I'm about to take off my robe. I'm about to put on your sin. I'm about to pour out my life so that you can be washed and you can be cleansed because unless I wash you, you won't belong to me." And in this moment, I know that there might be some new people here or maybe just people that have been far off and and maybe just not connected to God or maybe you just came on a whim to a service here at Centerpoint. And I wanna let you know that Jesus through the cross has washed you, he's cleansed you and that you can step in to a relationship with him tonight. Have your sins forgiven, have your shame broken, have the burden lifted and step into genuine relationship, not religion, not doing stuff to check off a box but genuine relationship with Jesus. we when we receive that washing we realize we belong to him and so if we could just bow our heads right now close our eyes if that's you tonight and you know you are far from Jesus, that that you need to be washed, that you need to allow him to serve you in this moment so that you can serve. You need him to wash you clean, the dirtiest parts of you. You You need salvation. You need relationship with him. You need freedom from this bondage. You need Jesus. And you're feeling a tug on your heart right now. You're feeling him just pull on your heartstrings right now. If that's you, and you want to invite Jesus into your life and you want to step into a relationship with him tonight. I'm asking to ask you to be so bold. Just do something for me. And if that's you, and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, can you just do me a favor and raise your hand right now? Amen. Amen. I see you. Anyone else that knows, oh, I need Jesus, I need Jesus, I need Him to wash me right now. Okay, if you are raising your hand, maybe just take that hand and put it on your heart right now. Just say something like this after me, just say, Jesus, I need you, I love you, I believe that you are God that you are good, save me, redeem me, cleanse me of all my sins so that I can live with you forevermore. I worship you tonight, Jesus, and I give you my life and everything in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate for that one who gave his life to Come on. Thank you, God. Thanks, Centerpoint Church. I love you guys. We're going to continue in worship. Why don't you stand up to your feet, and we're going to sing together before we leave this place.